Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. This is a special edition of the Bill Barnwell Show. So we'll get to it in a minute. We're going to be doing a joint show with our old pal Mina Kimes of the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the things I brought up in my regression and improvement columns from this week. Also, Mina's predictions for the upcoming awards season. But first, guys, before we get into today's episode, I want to remind everyone with the much-anticipated start of the 2020 football season just around the corner to make sure you're staying up to date on all your fantasy football news with ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Guys, we'll get daily strategy, previews, and injury reports to ensure you'll have all the information you'll need for your fantasy football team. Be sure to download and subscribe to Fantasy Focus Football and The Bill Barnwell Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here comes the show with me and Mina. Welcome back to The Bill Barnwell Show featuring Lenny or is it the Mina Kimes show featuring Bill Barnwell or the Lenny show featuring Bill Barnwell and Mina Kimes? It's the Lenny show featuring Maggie. Thank you. Oh, very much. Maggie. Um, so this is a, if it's not obvious from that introduction, uh, this is a crossover episode um, between our shows, which, is, you know, I feel like you and I have been doing kind of a crossover episode in spirit for four years now. <laughs> what is our yes, friendship? Yes, this is a yeah. This is a expanded cinematic universe experience where it it's just the same two characters to appear uh, in each movie, just doing movie by. At a certain point, that's not a crossover episode. That's just like our relationship. Um, it's an episode. It's an episode. Well, I'm certainly having an episode uh, every day these days. Um, <laughs> well, I couldn't think of anyone I would be more delighted to talk to because we are unlike um, some other sports and. I don't need they're not leagues, <laughs> college football. The NFL is careening towards a season. Um, and you that seem like almost a diss at other sports, like a brag, like, oh yeah, the NFL doesn't care about this stuff. What? Suckers. Is that <laughs> who's really being dissed in, in that uh verbiage? But um you know, I did you watch hard knocks on Tuesday night? Absolutely not. I was watching the five overtime hockey game. I would have gone to uh, Damian Lillard. I there was no way after hard knocks. It was after that. I got lectured by hockey Twitter as hockey Twitters want to do for watching the Damian Lillard (laughs) game instead. Um, But anyways, there there was something about watching hard knocks. Yeah, it was alternately like lulled back into the normalcy right of hard knocks Mm -hmm. and the season, but then also constantly jolted out of it by the fact that most of the episode was about um, the pandemic and how the Rams and the charges in particular are preparing for it. Yes. Um, that makes sense. Cause it seems like teams are paying the utmost attention to it and simultaneously just kind of hoping it goes away before the season mm. starts. Mm. They are paying a lot of attention. I mean, the Sean McVay was wearing a welder's mask at one point, <laughs> you know, those clear things. Um, he looked like a, well, he looked like, like, I don't know. I kept thinking of flash dance watching him, you know, the scene where she's like wearing the welder's mask and dancing. Anyways, um, the Chargers are on one of the two lists you put out of teams most likely to regress, most likely to improve. Uh, I'll wait to reveal until we get to them. And uh, it, this is my one of my favorite annual traditions of yours because it makes it really is just you 
inviting the internet to destroy you and get angry at you. And I, so obviously with the regression list, the improvement list, I imagine must love you. Um, which of the teams that you pick to regress has caused you the most stress over the last 48 hours? Oh boy. Well, Mina, every year I feel like there is the same sort of reaction. There is one team or, or one team's fans who get furious one team's fans who kind of get maybe a little upset and then one team that's sort of just like yeah we know we deserve this that that team this year clearly uh is the houston texans the team that just sort of feels like yeah like we knew this was coming uh, you can't hurt us at this point yeah, yeah. we know that's fine we, we're not we're not embarrassed or ashamed this is just what our re- life is like this right is now. who we are Yes, the Packers were the team who maybe were, you know, a little concerned here and there, but I think still some recognition. Hey, we mm. could still lose a couple of games and still make the playoffs. We'll be fine. Apparently, Mina, I did not realize this until the last 48 hours, but apparently I hate and do not pay any attention to the Seattle Seahawks, a team that, wow. that in a former life. Uh, when you lived in New York City and I lived in New York City, I believe I went to the Seahawks bar in New York City to watch Seahawks games you, with you. You also have one of the ugliest Seahawks hats I've ever seen. So <laughs> that alone <laughs> is quite a sacrifice. Um, and as you put it before the show, I've taken my beating from Seahawks Twitter. Now I'm coming on your podcast slash my podcast to face the final boss. So we're going to talk about your um, ungenerous <laughs> uh, appraisal of Seattle. But um, so we're, the first half of this podcast, we're going to talk about the improvement regression list. Second half, we're going to flip the script. You're going to ask me about who I think is going to win all of the awards, most valuable player, offensive rookie of the year, best coach, all that stuff. Um, so we're going to cover it. It's, it's a jam-packed episode. I think we want to start with the most likely to improve teams just because I feel like we already started on kind of a negative note. Uh, and um, I, I should start by saying, guys, that it, and Bill puts this in his columns, he has been extraordinarily successful at predicting one. He's your record of predicting these things. Who's going to improve and get worse is unimpeachable. Um, I mean, last year you picked the Niners, which, you know, obviously that worked out. For example, um, I think on the regression list, you were like 16 of 17 or something crazy. I don't know. Something 14 of uh, 16. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, historically, Right or wrong, I'm you know you can make the argument that this is easy. Maybe it is. Uh, Over the last three years, when I've done this column, twenty six and six in predicting whether teams are going to win, they improve. Teams who are going to lose, they declined. Twenty two and ten versus the over unders listed at ProFootballReference.com. So hopefully, this is insightful. But now I feel like we're jinxing it. It's going to be crazy when the Seahawks just absolutely destroy it. So. and then the other thing I think that's important to note is you're not saying these teams are good teams and bad teams. I cannot stress this enough. For example, <laughs> the Cincinnati, you know, like the Saints are on your aggression list. Bill, I imagine, like myself, you believe the Saints are a very good football team. You just believe, you know, they might not win as many games as they did last year. And I, I think that applies to the Seahawks as well. So we'll get to those teams. Let's start with the improvement teams. And let's start with a team that I think it's safe to say you don't see winning the division, and that's Cincinnati, but you think they're going to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that, I don't know about you, Mina. You watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of football. How many Bengals games did you watch last year? Yeah, I I was watching Dots. I was watching maybe like a condensed game here and there. Hmm. I did not watch a lot of Bengals football. But you may remember. I watched them almost beat Seattle. (laughs) 
Yeah. They were beating Seattle in the fourth quarter um, in Seattle, which is not something I expected. Now, this is a team, obviously, that uh, fell apart. The offensive line was a mess. The defense was not very good. They had Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley at quarterback for a stretch. They had the first overall pick in the draft. You can't be good if you have the first yes. overall pick in the draft. But historically, you go back and look at the last 10 times a team drafted a quarterback with the first overall pick. They improved by an average of 3.6 wins the following year. And usually what happens is not only do you get a bump at quarterback when you have the first overall pick, but the reality is there wasn't a ton of difference between the Bengals and you know Washington or Carolina or Miami, the teams at the bottom of the NFL. The Bengals just had a little bit worse luck, especially with injuries. Uh, AJ Green, Jonah Williams were hurt. Their red zone performance was terrible. Uh, those little things that that you know don't seem to make up that big of a deal. I think those are the differences between you know a team finishing four and twelve and having the third pick or the fourth pick, and a team going two and fourteen like the Bengals did a year ago. So to me, the upside case for the Bengals is, as you mentioned, they get Jonah Williams and AJ Green back, right? Uh, I I said in my AFC North pod, I actually think they have one of the sneaky, most fun skill group players in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. The problem is the offensive sure. line is, you know, it's unclear if Joe Burrow is going to have the time to get the football to those skill players. But still, um, I'm optimistic about them. And we'll see if Zach Taylor can game plan around that. And then meanwhile, on defense, basically, they just have they added NFL players. Right. Like yeah, they added adults in the room. Exactly. Like, you know, the entire Viking secondary um, DJ reader. They just signed Mike Daniels, by the way. So those are yeah. football players that we know are competent. And that alone, if you're the worst team in the NFL, that gets you improvement. Right. Um, my only, I guess, it, quibble with them improving. And, I, and again, I say this, I agree with you. I'm just, you know, putting up a fight here is just I, they're in, I think, a very difficult division in the AFC North. That's. What is like if the Bengals were in the NFC East or the AFC East or something, I would feel a little bit more optimistic about them. But I think the other three teams in their division are all pretty solid, solid to great. Mm -hmm. But I mean, think about the 2018 Browns, right? They were in a tough Mm. division. Steelers were good. Ravens were good. The Bengals were not great, but they were better. The Browns went from 0 16 to 7 8 and 1. And, you know, started Baker Mayfield for, I think, 11, no, 13 games. uh, Baker Mayfield started that year. And they were pretty bad. They were very unlucky at the beginning of the year with Tyrod, who was not playing well. Um, you know, I, I think a team that nobody was expecting them to be competitive. I mean, they we kind of figured they'd be better, but you didn't think they would be, you know, almost 500. And they made a huge leap in that first season. So, you know, to me, I look at them and I kind of think, okay, five and 11 is what I expect. Yeah. That'd be pretty fair. I think that'd be pretty good. But like, is it out of the question that, hey, if Lamar Jackson got hurt and Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy he was, they could theoretically win the division. I mean, stranger things have happened. I would also feel better about the Bengals if they had more depth at quarterback, just kind of looking at their chart. You know, it's still, it's Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen behind Joe Burrow. If they had added a veteran, I think I would feel a little bit more optimistic about them. But again, like I, like I said, my podcast, I, I agree with you completely on the players who are coming back and the addition of veterans. And again, this is the worst team in the NFL. So it's like, there's nowhere to go, but up. Um, you, I have a question for you sure. quickly. Do you think people are fairly assessing AJ green right now? Or are people sleeping on AJ green? Um, nobody ever really talks about AJ green. <laughs> Cause it's weird. Yeah, I know. Which is weird. Cause he's one of the best wide receivers in the league and has been for years. I think 
I'm not going to say it's unfair now, though, because we haven't seen him, right? He's coming back from pretty serious mm-hmm. injury. Um, but again, like that group, like Boyd, you know, emerged as, I think, one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Uh, you got Higgins, who I in the draft called Budget AJ Green, and was delighted to see him land with um, the, the 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 original, I suppose. John Ross, you got to think. Okay, now you got a quarterback you can throw it downfield. That's exciting. Um, helpful. Yeah, helpful. Yeah. So I, I I could just see AJ Green returning to form this year again. I, I just worry a lot about this offensive line. That's all. Mm-hmm. You should. They're they're bad. I mean, they're not a good line, but <laughs> but you only got to get to three is the story yes, of right, the exactly. for this purposes of the scholar. Um, so I have a problem with one of your selections, or at least one of your write ups. Okay. So I'm I'm seeing the Chargers. So yes, they're in the most likely to improve camp, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm high on the Chargers. I made the whole case for why I think their offense could be good. Whatever. Reading, reading, reading. And then you wrote this sentence and I said it out loud. Oh, no. I quote Bill Barnwell. The Chargers should also benefit by being healthier. Oh, no. Why did you write that, Bill? Why did you do that? Because I want to believe. I want to believe. I want to believe that they're not going to be healthy. The Chargers can never be healthy in that term. It's more that like different players will get injured. As opposed to, you know, like it's <laughs> so it's sad. it's like it's whack a mole basically. It's just I think different moles are going to come out to whack. Uh, not Derwin James. Not, not Derwin James. Um, is it yeah. is it Joey Bosa's year to get hurt? I'm not sure. I think it's like a. a oh, I hurt. Like, by the way, uh, um, funny thing I realized last night watching Hard Knocks because they covered Joey Bosa's contract extension in like 30 seconds. Could Joey Bosa's like not a you know flashy person? And they're like, oh, they're not a lot to see here. Joey Bosa's never been an All Pro. I, I, which makes sense because well, it doesn't make sense. It's like okay, it's really hard to be an all pro, but that kind of took me by surprise when I looked it up. He's really good, as it turns. He's out. really good. Um, I don't know. What do you think about beyond the injury concerns? Yeah. What do you think about this offense? How do how do you think? What, what do you think the best yeah. case scenario is for this offense as constructed? I think the best case scenario is the 2016 Bills offense. Right. What we saw the last time we saw Anthony Lynn and Tyrod together, perhaps with the benefit of maybe stealing some concepts from Baltimore. I mean, they have the pieces now, obviously, the offensive line is worse. Um, But the thing you hear. So we know Tyrod conservative doesn't turn the ball over, um, has an aversion to the middle of the field has had a good deep ball in the past, interestingly enough. Like, in goal up is 2015-16 deep ball numbers, but was horrible in Cleveland. Horrible. In a very small sample size, obviously, um, before I got hurt. But I think, like, we have seen this work before with Lynn and Taylor. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. And I think with Tyrod, the the important factor to remember about that 2018 Browns team was who was the head coach of that team at the time. Mm. Yes. Uh, which was you, Jackson, who, by the way, now uh, also, if you want to get a cameo from you, Jackson is available uh, on cameo.com. Yes. I think $60, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, is that more or less than Wade Phillips, who's also on cameo? Uh, I got to imagine Wade Phillips is getting more. Have you, did you see how much Wade Phillips is charging for his uh, like defensive coaching tape? No. Thing? 
No. It's, it's like a lot of money. You get a certificate at the end, which is great. Um, Ooh, very helpful. I would like, I would like another <laughs> That would be incredible if you could have a Wade Phillips uh, lead certificate hanging up in the back of your office next to the pavement record. <laughs> um, back to the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long do you think Tyrod keeps this job? That's a good question. I, I think because of the off-season. reality of the offseason, I think he has a better shot at keeping it for a longer period of time. I mean, Anthony Lynn has said, you know, throughout pretty much the last couple of years that since they signed Tyrod, which at the time didn't seem to make a ton of sense given who their starting quarterback was, you know, I, I think he felt like this offense could work with Tyrod at quarterback. And I think the success of Lamar Jackson and a very similar scheme in Baltimore, not that Tyra Taylor is Lamar Jackson, but just a similar sort of scheme working, I think gives credence to having that offense work for a longer period of time. I, I don't think the Chargers are going to be going to uh, making a quarterback change in week two or week three, the way the Browns did. Maybe if Tyra just gets off to an absolutely horrific start, maybe they will. But I, I think, you know, it could be half the season and that mm-hmm. could be enough for the Chargers to, you know, be competitive. I, yeah, God, Justin Herbert's enormous. That was my big takeaway from watching him in Hard Knocks. And then, you know, he's really good at throwing against air, which we already knew. Um, yeah, I think as someone who's followed Taylor's career pretty closely, you know, in Buffalo that final year or two, like that was just absolutely the wrong offense for him. And he was frustrated by it at times. Um, question is, w- will he and Lynn embrace what we're describing? You know what I mean? Because um, I think if they do... This defense is so effing good, man. <laughs> like right. the only the only problem with the defense is like interior pass rush, which you know they added Linval Joseph. We'll see, but just getting Derwin, that secondary, the linebacker, like they are stacked. So all They're you great. need is an average offense. Um, and this Stars team. And the other thing that I brought up in the column that will come up again in the Seahawks section. Hmm. You have to figure that if any team is going to benefit from not having fans in the stadium all year, it would <laughs> yeah. be the Chargers, right? I have a counter for the Seahawks part. Yeah, you're, yeah, one would think. One would think. I've actually heard that mentioned by a bunch of people in the league, too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a real phenomena. Um, you picked the Lions, which I was excited by because uh, anyone who listened to the NFC North podcast knew that I was totally allergic to picking a team to win that division. Uh, and I also said I think the Lions could, should, potentially will have the best offense. Uh, I had some concerns about the defense. But your case for them mostly just stems from how damn unlucky they were last year. Yes. Uh, as it turns out, not having Matthew Stafford for half mm. the season is bad. Lions were 3-4-1 and one with Stafford under center 0-8 during the second half of the season. And I'm not going to lie, a couple of games they could have won. Remember that Thanksgiving game where David Blow came in to start and he was actually pretty good for most of the game? Um, they were up on the Packers in Week 17 when the Packers had something to play for, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. You know, they that were... Beating... a wild game. Aaron Rodgers threw it like deep like 40 times at the end. Do you remember that? It was yes. Super weird. Um, yeah, they lost five games where they held a lead inside the final 15 minutes. No other NFL team lost three of those games. They held, they held, they were in the lead four times in the final seven minutes. No one else in the NFL lost two of those games. The Lions lost four of those games. It, it's just, this is the team I went through. ESPN has data for win expectancy over the past decade. This was the worst fourth quarter team in 
the last decade of the National Football League by win, by, by win expectancy. They were kind of like a seven and nine, eight and eight team in the first three quarters. And then they were the quality of an 0 and 16 team in the fourth quarter, which is pretty telling. So my question or concern about the Lions, other than Stafford's health is, you know, the limiting factor here. Another team that I think could have upgraded at. Oh, they did they sign Chase Daniel? No, that was they did. I they did. <laughs> OK, yeah. Actually, you know what? That's that is an upgrade. So never mind. I take that back. Um, maybe um, <laughs> over Blau. Um, God, those ten minutes where David Blau looked like the best quarterback in the National Football League were so magical, though. So exciting! Such a uh, fun Thanksgiving experience. I was like a Blau. I was like trying to think of things that rhymed with Blau for like being <laughs> a you know Blau enthusiast. Um, so here the, the the thing with the Lions for me, my concern about them and my sort of hesitance in picking them to win the division really was that, you know, I feel like I, I actually like the players they signed on defense, but I continue to be underwhelmed by what Matt Patricia has done with that defense. Right. And, and so far as his, uh, he's like, mm, it's like a guy who dates a new girl and he like buys her the clothes that his ex-girlfriend wore. And she's like, I don't want to wear these clothes. That's a weird analogy, but you know what I mean? He's, he's tried <laughs> also guys don't do that i don't know if any guys done that ever but that was the analogy i came up with and i'm sticking with it but however he has got he's brought so many of his old girls back <laughs> like i actually think um like you know Daron Harmon and shell like he his complete desire collins to build this in the patriots image might finally work now that he now has every former patriot and i i, I don't I just I'm not convinced by what he's done so far, but those are good players. Okay, let me give you an example. Also, here. there's no pass rush. Yes. Players. No pass rush <laughs> is, the, is issue. Uh, disconcerting. Issue. I would like them to sign Shadifian Clowney. Um, I'm going to step away from your metaphor, uh, but I'm going to say this. Think about the Niners offense with Cal Shanahan the first two years he was there. It was not good. I mean, they were good with Jimmy Garoppolo, and when they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo, they were a mess. They were 27th in DVOA in 2018 for all the brilliant schemes they had for having George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and all these blockers. They were 32nd in rushing DVOA in 2018. Third year, switch flips. Garoppolo's healthy. They get a, you know, they add more players. They add more weapons. The offense is great. They make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that Matt Patricia is a of a Kyle Shanahan level when it comes to X's and O's or game planning. But this is a guy who we know. I mean, he has come up with stuff that's worked for that other teams have stolen and had much more success with. A guy who worked under Bill Belichick for a long time. I have major issues, major questions about how he handles the locker room, his communication. I mean, I think that sort of limits what their ceiling might be, but I do think he is a better coach on defense than maybe the numbers seem to indicate. My hope is that, you know, with a, a, a what Chris Long called a complex defense as a guy who played underneath Matt Patricia with New England. I mean, maybe you do get that extra year. Maybe it does make a difference. I, maybe I'm just clutching at straws. But again, they don't have to be great. They just have to be a little better on defense. And they were, you know, they were a 500 team or close to a 500 team uh, when they had Stafford a year ago, even given how kind of mediocre the defense was. And I also think they benefit from playing in a division that's wide open. We'll get to the Packers. Um, but I don't think it's one of the stronger divisions in the league. So that'll help as well. Um, no, I'm with it. I, I, I'm I'm on the line. You know, I'm on the Lions train with you. 
Um, that won't end what poorly. No. Um, okay, so the final team you picked to improve. Oh, oh, actually, God, the Shannon thing. Um, did you see that the Niners signed Taylon Austin? By the way, oh, God, they. It's gonna be. I just cannot wait for the quote. Taven Austin is the X factor to finally work out. Years after the fact, now that he is uh, like potentially in the perfect scheme for his skills. Yes, I, if he could go back in time, if we can get like the the coming out of college Tavon Austin for this scheme, awesome, tremendous. Twenty twenty Tavon Austin, like, are they going to sign Percy Harvin too? You know what, dude? Don't don't say it because you know <laughs> he's going to like house like the first jet sweep he gets. It's going to be so exciting um, to 2015 Rams fans. Okay, so when was he drafted? 2014. Right? I don't know. Yeah. It, a lo- it feels like a long time. ago. It does feel like a long time ago. Um. I actually don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this last team you picked because I've spent so much time saying the exact same thing, and that's Dallas. Um, you know, unlucky last year. All the underlying metrics said they were an elite offense with an average-ish defense. Um, there's no reason to think this offense uh, won't be even better this season on Dak Prescott's revenge tour. Uh, questions about the defense, but ultimately it probably doesn't matter because the offense is so good. But let me ask you, I'll flip it a different way. We'll talk about it this Mm. way briefly. If the Cowboys do disappoint, if let's say they go eight and eight again and they go seven and nine or nine and seven, they don't end up as one of the top teams in the NFC. What do you think will have happened? I think that Dak Prescott will have broken his leg. That would be my first guess. Um, Second guess, I could see this defense being bad. Like I yeah. could see, like we don't know what to expect out of Mike Nolan, who is not who is not great in a slot. But that was a long time ago, granted. And you know he's been a linebacker coach and some pretty good teams since then. Reserving judgment. Um, secondary, ton of question marks, zero pass rush depth. Um, and you know they're counting on these linebackers to have a comeback season in Jalen Smith and LVE. So I could see definitely a universe in which they're below average to bad. Can I ask you a question that yes, may be related to your uh, upcoming? job with the nfl live television program do you think if dak prescott breaks his leg that it will be a tanya harding-esque uh, uh attack by our colleague dan orlowski i thought you were gonna say andy dalton and i was envisioning andy wearing like a little burglar they, they could work together that's not out of the you question know, i gotta say andy looked great in a cowboys uniform i yeah. saw the photo and he must have been so relieved as a redhead to finally no longer wear orange. Just to put on that blue and look in the mirror and think, finally, a complimentary color. I look great. Um, I will not dignify your other question with an answer, but uh, I will introduce a couple of other teams that I thought I was like thinking might be in this column. Okay. Pittsburgh? Yes. I, I think Pittsburgh will be better this year. I think... The tough part is you figure, okay, they're getting Ben Roethlisberger back. Their offense was total trash last year. They did force a crazy, crazy amount of yes, takeaways about that, on yeah. defense. So to me, I think they're going to be better, but it's not like you're going to get the 2017-2018 offense and the 2019 defense. If you do, they're a Super Bowl contender because yes. that's going to be a phenomenal football team. But I think you get a little bit of a step back from the defense and you do get an improvement on the offense. But hey, there's also no guarantee 
that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get hurt again. I mean, this is a guy who, even when he d- did not have a dramatic injury, uh, was a guy who you'd expect him as a game or two each year, and he's now in his late 30s. That is the team that really should have had a quarterback death. I mentioned Detroit earlier, but that is the one that yes. really needed to sign someone um, like Colin Kaepernick. Okay, and then the other team, I just wanted to, I'm not sure I think this, but I kind of want to throw out there because I imagine some listeners might be saying it out loud. Um Arizona is a very popular team to improve. Now, I my case against them is the hellscape division. Uh, um, what is your why? Why did they not make your call? Division goes a long way for sure. I think that's a big, big part of it. Um, the numbers say they expect to improve a little bit. They were six and ten last year by expected wins. They were five, ten, and one by the real numbers. So you might expect them to, to uh, improve a little bit. But I, I just. You know, I there are some things about that team I don't love. Uh, I think the secondary beyond um, Patrick Peterson is still realistically a question mark. A Buda Baker as well. I don't want to throw you know disparage yes, Baker. Phenomenal, Buda. but but um, you know, at he, cornerback there's some questions. Mm-hmm. Peterson was kind of up and down when he came back last year. Throwing that out there too. I mean, that, that's my voice I use when I'm not ready to yeah. <laughs> say something, but I also kind of think it's true. Um, that, might, that might be the Patrick Peterson come to Seattle next year when you're a free agent. No, that's uh, the Mina Kimes honorary is Todd Gurley good voice, <laughs> <laughs> which you remember from 2017, 15, um, 16. And I just, you know, this is a team that added Isaiah Simmons and on paper, the idea of what Isaiah Simmons can do is awesome. I have not seen a lot of NFL teams make the best use out of players with Isaiah Simmons' skill set. And that includes, in years past, the Arizona Cardinals, who granted yes. do have Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph is not necessarily the guys who have made the same mistakes in the past. But I, I just want to see Isaiah Simmons do everything he is seemingly capable of doing at the NFL level in a coherent scheme before I'm willing to say, okay, this is a, a real legitimate difference maker because the NFL is not that smart. They're not always that great with getting the most out of guys who have versatile skill sets. And I think, you know, Brett Knowles might be a better defensive coordinator than a lot of people who are running NFL defenses right now. So I want to see that. I want to see the defense improve. And, you know, I love Kyler Murray. I love the offense. Um, but I also don't think Kenyon Drake is like a top five running back the way he seemed uh, in the second half of last mm. year. That offense also like made the biggest jump in DVOA in like, <laughs> like recent yeah. history. So yeah, that also, also, you know, yeah, and that line is like one injury away from being a disaster. Oh, that as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about your haterism, your no. obvious anti-12 bias, your longstanding aversion to the DVOA champs. Um, we know the numbers case against the Seahawks. I've said it here. They're, they were extremely lucky last year by every metric, and you lay it out very clearly and brutally in your column. Uh, but I want to talk to you about like what you think of the team they're fielding this year. Okay. As we think about whether, because you know, most people now, especially after uh, what happened with Dunbar and Adams, they're pretty high on the Seahawks. Um, Which again, by the way, reminder folks, before you send your hate mail, just because Bill Barnwell thinks the Seahawks are going to regress doesn't mean he thinks they're not a good football team. Just want to put that out there. It just means they think he thinks they got lucky. So I'm making excuses for you already. When you look at this team, Mm -hmm. the obvious issue is the pass rush. They could still sign someone. What is the non-obvious holes that maybe people are kind of letting slide? Let's start with the offensive line, right? I mean, this is a line that 
when underwent major change this offseason. The Seahawks bought in bulk. They brought in a ton of new players. B.J. Finney is going to start most likely at center. Um, they reset Mikey Upati. Uh, they got rid of D.J. Fluker. They got rid of Jermaine Fetty. Justin Britt retired. And on paper, if you're a Seahawks fan, you might say, well, you know, Britt was hurt. Fluker was a guy we signed, you know, in the short term, not really like a, a, a franchise guy or anything. If Fetty couldn't stop committing penalties, and that's all true. But number one, like the guys that signed for right tackle in Brandon Shield and Cedric Ogbui are bad. They are not good football players and were not in their former stops. They might get good now. It's not out of the question, but they have not been good football players uh, in the past. And on top of that, this is a line that has probably three new starters, uh, if not more. I I would say three new starters, I I would expect, that Mm. has had almost no time to work together, no minicamp, very few padded practices. You have to figure this line is going to be a mess. And if they work out better, great. That's awesome. I, I hope they are a much better line because I want to see Russ cook. But I also recognize that, like, you know, th- this is a line that is more likely to be a problem than it is to be uh, part of the solution for the Seahawks winning 11 or more games. I think that's my concern with the line. You know, I think like Seahawks are listening, fans are probably listening, they're like, yeah, but the line sucked last year too. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like a bad to bad. But your point about the lack of continuity, especially given this offseason, I think is pretty important and especially early on could be an issue. I mean, you know, that it looks like Damian Lewis, who's the third round draft pick this year, is going to start, right? And he's a rookie. So definitely question marks there. Um, we'll see, I'm just sticking to the offense for a moment, if Chris Carson uh, is healthy the beginning of the season. I, I know this is verboten, but I think he's actually a very good running back. <laughs> um, and... There's also a question mark with like if, if they get Josh Gordon back, which seems plausible at some point, I think it's a pretty nice one, two, three punch. You've got Will Disley coming back. I mean, wh- where did this offense finish in DBA last year? Stop. Fifth. Fifth. They were yeah. good. Isn't it funny, right? We talk about the CS like they were so atrocious because we were so um like disgusted sometimes by like the early down runs and all that. But in fact, they're like an extremely efficient and good offense. Um, so on defense. Wait, wait, I have one more, have one more question yeah. about the offense for you. So here's here's what I think about when it comes to Russell Wilson. Mm. Like Russell Wilson's numbers last year, career highs or second best completion percentage of his career, um, the uh, thirty-one to five touchdown to interception ratio, the lowest interception rate of his career. Uh, well, he's never been a. He's always had a low interception rate, though. Well, I mean, but it was double two years ago. It was two percent. 2017, it's 1% last year. Yeah, 1% I mean, is unsustainable. It's always going to be low, is what I'm saying. Right. It's, it's not he's going to be, you know, Jameis Winston or anything. I'm not saying that. But just, like, Russell Wilson was incredible last year. He was, to me, the second-best quarterback in football behind Lamar Jackson. How much better can Russ really be than he, the guy he was last year? That's a great question. Um, it would be really hard to be better. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's the same it, thing we can say, by the way, of... Lamar Jackson, you know, like any of the top elite quarterbacks, like if you're looking at a, if you're looking at a quarterback who's playing at that level, they're probably going to regress. That's just how football works. Um, I think like Russ is to me has been a top five quarterback for so long that like mm-hmm. there's a there's a floor on that regression, right? Because oh, he's so sure. good, and I also like what that like the I like his skill players too. Um, so I'm not too concerned about them. But you're right. He was so good last year that he probably is not going to be as good just by virtue of like how numbers work. And the only way 
he is more valuable to this team, I think, than he was a year ago is if he throws the ball 600 times. And I think yeah. I sort of get to that in the conclusion of, my, of the Seahawks section, which is, you know, there is a path the Seahawks getting better, which is giving Russ the ball on early downs, giving him the ball in the first half, being a team that runs through Russell Wilson in the, in the running game. And I think, you know, is it possible that could happen in 2020? Yes. But I mean, you, you follow the Seahawks as closely as anybody. Is there any reason to think Pete is going to change the way this offense runs? I don't know. He, there's been times over the Russell Wilson career when he has thrown the ball more under Bevel. I think of like certain periods in like 2015, for example. So I, 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 I certainly, you know, the past suggests that they're not going to completely change their strategy, but um, we'll see, I suppose, you know, that's that, but you're right. Absolutely. That would obviously uh, escalate the offense and on defense. Let me ask you this and let's wrap up with Seahawks. Cause I know we always talk too much about Seahawks in this podcast. Um, if Seattle signs, I think it was Mike Silver who reported they were looking at Everson Griffin. If they sign Everson Griffin, how do you feel about this defense as a whole? I think it's probably like a top 12 defense. I mean, where were they in DVOA last year? They were they like somewhere like, like half. Maybe? Yeah, like 16-ish, I want to say. They were 18 a year ago. I mean, could they be 12 this year? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I think the secondary is going to be good. I will admit that I think the Quinton Dunbar thing has gone from being like, oh, we, we, we traded for this underrated dude to like, now he's, you know, like Chris Harris in his prime, which he is not. He's like, he's an okay cornerback who had a really good year last year he's had one mm. like one really good season i think pete is going to get a lot out of him because pete's really good at coaching defensive backs but you know i i don't think he is going to be like you know a lockdown corner here's by any means. here's my thing i think you're right we're probably you know looking at like pff grades and being like oh my god top three in every position but um i will say this something i've, I've noticed happen and i think i talked about this last week with for example like take minka fitzpatrick right those corners in in Pittsburgh, they're fine. Steven Nelson, Hayden, right? But I think sometimes when you bring in that do it all safety like an Adams, like the mag like the multiplier effect on a secondary is tremendous. And I just look at this secondary and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, they've got a good player at every position. Like that's pretty freaking rare in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um so I am not optimistic about this pass rush, even if they sign Griffin. Uh, but at every other level, suddenly I get pretty excited looking at this defense. All right, no more Seahawks. Let's talk <laughs> okay. about, I, I don't want to alienate listeners. I don't want to alienate them. Um, let's talk about the team you said the fans weren't angry at you for putting them on the list, and that's Houston. Um, that kind of jives with my perception of them, which I... <sighs> The case for Houston being, I guess, sustaining their level of play or being good, I think, is that when you look at this offense and you look at the depth chart, they actually have good players and the offensive line has gotten a lot better. However, you're counting on Will Fuller and company and Brandon Cooks to stay healthy. And I think that is the big concern. The defense is obviously a massive issue. Well, I mean, right. Like this is a very sort of Tony Romo era Cowboys team, right? Where it's like they have they have eight absolute like, like studs, top tier yeah. studs but those guys got to stay healthy and if yeah. you get all those guys stay healthy that's a scary football team but we know that the odds of keeping brandon cooks will fuller laramie tunsil mm. deshaun watson david johnson jj watt whitney merciless and i guess bradley roby 
all healthy are not very not high. Good. I like Jessery. Jessery's good too, sure. But yeah, like, yeah. like Sorry, who's good on that defense? <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's the, the chance of keeping all those guys healthy are very slim. And then once you get past those guys, there's major issues. I mean, this is the same team that the, the Bills game is a classic example, right? Where Josh Allen was ripping apart that defense in that game until they brought JJ Watt in the game, who's coming back from a torn peck like a month too early. And JJ Watt made a huge difference in that game. They were much better with Watt on the field. And the plan, I think, was for him to play maybe some passing downs. And he played pretty much the entire second half in that game. So when you have your stars, you're going to look good. But the chances are you're not going to have all your stars for all 16 games. And when you don't, whether it's the offense or the defense, that is going to be a serious problem. And that's, of course, like, I think that's something we don't talk about enough when we talk about stars and scrubs roster construction. Like we talk about, okay, well, then every other player has to be bad and that's risky. But, you know, you can hope that the three stars you have on defense, if you're like Dallas or whatever, play well enough. But the problem is if one of them goes down, it is, a, there's a domino. It's, a, it's, it all comes crumbling down, right? As you just explained. And that's the danger of building a team like that. Um, it's, man, JJ Watt was so good last year. Yeah, yeah he's he's great it, when it, he's available. And, and he's he's it, man. On that D line, he is it right now. Uh, unless Benny Merciless can reclaim, you know, his like four years ago form. Yeah, or Miss Merciless was good in the first half last year. I mean, he he's like, you know, he's a guy who I think you he's mm, very yeah. he's solid as a secondary. He piece. needs Watt. He needs Watt. Oh, needs for Watt. sure. Yeah. You know what? I I would look okay with JJ Watt across the league too. <laughs> um, but like, there's so many. Like, look at the secondary here. You have a bunch of former first and second round picks: Gary and Conley, Vernon Hargreaves, Lonnie Johnson, and you could maybe, you know, if it was Pete Carroll, for example, he kind of sit here and say, okay, well, you know, they're going to coach those guys up. Maybe one of those guys turns into a star. Maybe one of them turns into, you know, an average player, and suddenly you have a pretty good secondary because Reed's good, Roby's good. Maybe Eric Murray, you know, gets coached up. But do we have any reason Conley. to think that in a, a shorted off season with, um, you know, with the reality of, of you know. Uh, limited coaching, guys who have not been good elsewhere, guys who struggled with the, the Texans last year. Reasons to think that those guys are suddenly going to turn into above average cornerbacks and above average safeties. Mm. I, I just don't think that's likely. A new defensive coordinator. And, and I mean, he's in house, but in Anthony Weaver. So there's that as well. Um, I don't think anyone would be surprised to see Green Bay on your list because, again, because of the numbers. I imagine Packers fans too weren't angry because Packers fans are now like the most furious force on the internet because of their off season. Uh, right. Is there actually, that's funny. Cause I, I would say Houston fans and Packers fans are probably neck and neck for who's angrier at their franchise at the moment. Um, for different reasons. Yeah. For very different reasons. It's, it's hard to choose. Packers fans are pretty freaking angry. Um, but you know, it, Super lucky last year, you know, all the f- metrics that just a team got lucky. They were pretty high in, I guess. Um, if I had to like push back at all, I, I, I'm still pretty high on this Packers defense. Where do you fall on? And that ultimately the bill, that was a combination of that. And me thinking Aaron Rodgers will be filled by spite this year, which is cannot be quantified is why I eventually after much hand-wringing, decided I still picked the Packers to win the division, didn't feel great about it. Who do you think is going to win the NFC North? The most fun pick would be to pick the Lions, right? And the most appropriate pick in a season without fans. I like that. Exactly. See? I, don't um, know, but- I mean, I think the Packers defense is good, but like this is, a, I think, a defense where public perception was like, oh, they added to Darius Smith, so Darius Smith was awesome, and he was. Preston he was Smith awesome. was really good. 
Yeah, of course he was. I mean, the, the, the perception that this is a great defense is not borne out by reality. They improved on defense, but they went from 29th to 15th in DVOA. And I mean, we saw what happened in the NFC Championship game. They were a disaster on defense. So I, I, a very young defense, a defense that could still take a step forward, but yeah. a team that was very healthy on defense last year, Oren Burks, who's goes like a borderline starter at linebacker, the only guy who missed more than I think two games from them last year on defense and league's third highest interception rate, which is not a sustainable way to win football games. So I think the defense could take a step backwards this year. And I think that the offense obviously seems to be kind of in like a civil war. Yeah, I the other reason I kind of I still feel good about the offensive line, which was one of the best in football last year. And that kind of made me optimistic about them. And I also am like weirdly higher on Alan Lazard than the rest of the universe. But yeah, we we all know what's going on with the pad. What if it's just a big feint and Aaron Rodgers comes out and throws the ball like, you know, 40 times in the first game? That'd be an incredible thing to use uh, your first round pick on a quarterback and your second round pick on a running back and then be like, yeah, Aaron, we're good. We're going to put the ball in your hands. It's the uh, Jordan Love wide receiver theory. That's a great internet conspiracy theory. Um, I, yeah, I don't disagree. So I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Like, you know, I think, (laughs) I I think they are like a a 10 and 16, which could still win the NFC North. Uh, Last, again, yes. And that's a good transition to another team that um, I'm sure you think is good, but you pick to regress purely again because of numbers. And that's New Orleans Saints. Do you have this? You have the Saints winning the NFC South over the Bucks, right? Um, Sure. It's close. It's close. Yeah. Um, I I, I think that it's last year I picked the Saints to regress. And I don't know if you noticed, Mina, they did not regress one bit. Even though I lost Drew Brees for six weeks, still 13 and three. And I think that's why people would push back because they'd say well we didn't even have drew Brees," but then you could push back and be like well you won those games so <laughs> you did that's true um but also i, I feel like this is maybe underreported i haven't seen many people talk about this mm. these saints had the fewest giveaways in the history of the national that football league absolutely, last season absolutely wild although when you think about who's playing quarterback it makes a little bit of sense but that historic level of uh conservatism is crazy Right. Like you can be good. Drew Brees is not going to throw a ton of interceptions. They're not going to fumble a ton. They have incredibly talented players, a great offensive line. Drew Brees gets the ball out quick. No reason to think they're going to have like 30 giveaways or something. But the when you are the best at something in the history of the National Football League, it's really tough to do that again the following year. Yeah. What was the game? There was one game where, was it San Francisco where they kept dropping picks? Oh, was it? There was one game at the end of the season where I was like, that should have been picked. That should have been picked. Drew Brees, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was the, uh, according to the Football Outsiders, had the third luckiest season when it came to having dropped interceptions. Do you know who was number one? It was Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'll save that one for Dan. Um, yeah, I, I. so when I did my division preview on the Saints, you know, my issue with them, and it's really hard to find. I agree with everything you're saying, but just thinking about this as a football team and how good they'll be, it, it, they will be. It's hard to find issues with this team. My biggest questions were just like, okay, every season we've seen this thing where Drew Brees kind of struggles at the very end, right? So at some point, that's going to hit earlier. <laughs> and then the other thing was, um, you know, the pass rush really lacks depth. Um, but other than that, they're a pretty good football team. One they're team I great. just want to, I just, I know you're good. Everyone knows Bill Barnwell thinks the Saints are good. <laughs> Don't get angry. Um, the, so the only team I was wondering, just thinking again, I was kind of like, mm, just might have expected to see them on here. Uh, New England. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I like the thing is there were four really obvious um, teams so to they, improve. Were they five? And like, yeah, they would have been five for sure. Because I mean, this is a team that not only lost uh, Tom Tom Brady, I believe is his name, and Heard then Rob Gronkowski jumped back. I mean, the offense is clearly a work in progress, but then also a team that had the best interception rate, I, I think, in several years for I think for over four four percent incredibly likely to recur lost a bunch of players on defense uh to injuries yeah i think like a nine and seven team for me um in terms of their numbers in terms of what i would expect but um i just wanted to do an even number i don't think it's fair to do four and five but i think four <laughs> and four okay all right um let's take a quick bit break and take a a few questions from listeners question question lenny for your thoughts as always thank you so much listeners to this podcast for your incredibly generous, kind five-star reviews that my mom reads and also your great football and non-football questions. And we're going to take a few because I have such a good guest today um, whose answers I would like to hear. So r- this is one I, I actually, I really want to hear your answer to this. Rock Chalk 42 asks, Mina has stated she is a Matt Ryan defender. Does she agree with Bomani Jones that he's not a Hall of Famer? Bill, I'd like to hear your answer first. Well, I actually wrote about this for a column recently mm. about the Hall of Fame, where I said, historically, quarterbacks with Matt Ryan's resume typically get in. So Matt Ryan, of course, has an MVP award. That is the biggest thing I think you can do to advance your Hall of Fame case. Uh, a lot of guys with MVPs get in. Of course, they have maybe more of a supporting resume than Matt Ryan does, but one of the best playoff performances we've ever seen from him during that postseason. Obviously, did not win Super Bowl MVP. I think that would have put him, that would have put him over the edge. I think I would have been very confident if he had an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. But I think at the end of the day, this is a guy who's going to have, um, you know, uh, one MVP in his pocket, one Super Bowl appearance in his pocket, and probably going to have sixty thousand playoff yards if he keeps it up for I think three more years or so to get to that mark. And I think at that point he's going to retire as one of the five most productive quarterbacks in the history of football. Um, You know, I I think to me, assuming that guys who are, you know, sort of expecting to get in, get in, I I think it's going to be very tough to keep him out in the long term. Yeah, I think so. Obviously I'm a major Matt Stan and I agree with everything you said. I think for him, ultimately it's going to, it's going to take longevity as you explained (laughs) to get him in to where it kind of becomes undeniable because, um, you know, I, I don't, I, God, I would love the Falcons to have another shot to, you know, get right. back and like, better, but. like, I think also when people evaluate him, I don't think he's going to get that much blame for what happened in the Super Bowl. I think so too. Smart, fair people. Um, Armalone13 uh, is a Steelers fan and he wants to know what are the Steelers going to do at QB? I think he means in the long term. Surely they can't bank on Ben being what he used to be. He has one year left after 2020. Keep feeling it. Um, well, you know, I just alluded to the fact I'm kind of shocked that the Steelers didn't do anything at quarterback. Them in Tennessee are the two teams where I was like, mm-hmm. what, what are we doing here, guys? Um, especially given, again, the injury history of those quarterbacks. And the Steelers, one of the many benefits of last season, not many benefits, but was that they they saw what they had in Rudolph, you know, and, and uh, Hodges. So... Um, I, I, I'm surprised that they haven't at least tried to conquer, like come up with a new succession plan. I mean, do you think that what they saw from Mason Rudolph, given how, with how they've acted this off season makes you think that they still think he's the guy. 
man, I, I don't, I don't know how you can watch that and like feel any other kind of way. I, <laughs> it, are, are there like defenders out there? Are there people who still believe or, you know, I, I, I mean, do you want me to try and make the case for Mason Rudolph, which is no. not a position I, I sort of expected to see myself in. I mean, I, I, I feel like once you draft that guy and you think he is the guy of the future, you need more evidence to prove that to yourself than maybe people on the outside do. It's sort of the Blake Bortles argument, right? Where it's like, once the Jags position themselves in the mindset that Blake Bortles is a franchise quarterback, drafted in that high, turned down the trades to move down, and brought in those guys to help him, like every little bit of evidence they saw was enough to prove it to them over and over again, even though it was just part of the conversation and part of the story for people who didn't draft Blake Bortles with the third overall pick. So I wonder with Mason Rudolph, a guy who had maybe a flash or two, but was pretty bad for most of the season last year. Um, I wonder if they're sitting or saying, oh, well, the you know, the receivers were hurt. Um, mm. You know, the 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 Miles Garrett thing affected him. There was, you know, the, the off-field press. There was all these different things, all these different excuses that we don't take seriously, but because he is a guy who, um, you know, is a guy who they value as a possible franchise quarterback. They're going to take those excuses a lot more seriously than we might win. This is so depressing. I don't even want to engage with it, frankly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we've seen teams do that kind of thing a million times. So um, if I'm a Steelers fan, I certainly just, I hope that my team is thinking about, I'm, I'm sure they are, you know, um, maybe they just didn't like anyone in this class. And God knows next year's draft is going to be absolute chaos. Um, Can I ask you one more Steelers question? Okay. Do you really believe they are not going to sign Juju to an extension? Oh, man. I have seen that out there. And I have also seen this. There's like a kind of a rising sentiment that Deontay is as good as him. Um, have you seen that too? Deontay Johnson. Um, If that's true, like, cool. Have two good wide receivers. That's a fun thing to have for your football. I know. I, the Steelers are such a hard team to project beyond the season because of the Roethlisberger thing. You know what I mean? Um, but I, if I were them, I would do it. I know that we've talked about the fact that like, obviously didn't cover himself in glory last year, playing with the aforementioned terrible quarterback. So how much can you really learn from that? Um, they're a team I'd look at with some interest to see what happens over the course of the season. I'll say that. All right. This is the last question I want to ask you. Tulio2412. I know we hate running back value discussions, but my question is, is there a rule change the NFL would implement that you think could make running more valuable again? Two suggestions. One, make Pete Carroll the coach of every team. Two, um, obviously you would have to make it harder to pass, so you would have to cut back on, you know, DPI and holding. That would be the thing, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be, to your point, I mean, I think the idea of making passing less exciting or less valuable is what comes to mind. I think that, there are like little things that could come into play. It's not going to be like this one change that dramatically could make running more valuable. I think we see what happened with Lamar, right? I mean, Lamar is a run is, is a quarterback who is very capable of throwing the football, but 
his value as a runner is so enormous that it's impossible to ignore. And there's not 20 Lamar Jacksons out there. Maybe there's two or three more. Maybe there's two or three teams who are willing to run that sort of offense with a quarterback who is effective as a runner uh, in addition to being a passer at a really high frequent level. Um, that might shift the, the gears a little bit more towards running. Um, it could be something as simple as league enforcing the RPO rules where it's you know, you're not supposed to have a guy, uh, an offensive lineman, more than a yard downfield. If you watch 100 RPOs, you're going to see a guy downfield about 75% of the time. And it gets called maybe once every 25 times a guy is downfield. Maybe if they enforce that rule a little more frequently, uh, we'll see play action be less effective and we'll see um, RPOs be less effective. I, I think stuff yeah. like that comes to mind. Um, but I do think that at the end of the day, like it's just the math is so incredibly, incredibly um, weighted towards passing that it would take something really dramatic like you know a, a, a change in the shape of the football or like like a very slick football suddenly being introduced to uh make running more valuable yeah so let me tell you the nfl is not going to want to make uh the game less explosive and fun just going to throw that out there um all right after <laughs> we come back uh bill's gonna take back the hosting reins this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8-S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, I've wanted to say this for a long time. This is my chance. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. I'm Bill Barnwell, the host of the show. Uh, I've moved up to a much more successful podcast now. And joining me as the guest on the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, talk about her uh, award selections for mm. the upcoming season, is frequent contributor to the show, Mina Kimes. Mina, how are you? I'm good. I ran so long in the first half. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm I might have boxed you in a little bit. Um, you know, I, I just it's my ball control offense of hosting. That's that's my style. Yeah, I've got about I've got about eighteen plays to work with here as we finish <laughs> up the show. But, but I'm gonna let you leave. I, I feel like I've given some thoughts on this stuff publicly. I want to hear what you think because I feel like you'll have some mm. interesting choices here for the award selection. So, do you want to build up to MVP or work down from MVP? You know, MVP is kind of anticlimactic. So let's work down. I think is that crazy? Okay. No, it's not crazy, but I think there are some interesting choices if it's not the obvious guy. Mm, yes, yes. Well, so who's your pick? Let's start there. Who is your MVP pick for 2020? Okay, so I imagine, I haven't looked at the odds, but I imagine the odds for Pat Mahomes are pretty unfriendly right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like three to one, I think. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing, again, that it probably goes Mahomes-Wilson-Jackson. Actually, it could be Jackson-Wilson. Jackson Jackson's, Jackson's going to be tough because the, the voters really, they yeah, don't they like, repeats, yeah. you have to be really, really good to win twice in a row. So hmm. I, it wouldn't shock me if Lamar was 90% as good as he was a year ago and got zero MVP votes because the bar is now so high for him. Um, The Wilson case is interesting because I think that Russell Wilson's never gotten an MVP vote, gains a little bit of heat this offseason. So that might be on people's minds, but 
you know, what we've seen in the past from MVP, it's a quarterback almost always on a very good football team, right? So that limits you to a group like that makes it a little bit harder for like a Deshaun Watson for the reasons we just discussed. Um, it's why I like like a Dak Prescott mm-hmm. here as a, is a nice candidate for me. Once you, again, once you get, once you're getting out of that trifecta of those three guys, I would say my pick would be probably, I, I know Murray's got a lot of heat, but I don't really see it for him this year again, because of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like, Outside of those three, I like Dak Prescott here. Can I give you two juicy options? Okay. And ask you which would be the which would be the better story or the more entertaining story to follow? Number one, Matthew Stafford. Okay. I picked him for one of our insider panels. So Oh really? Because well, based on the odds, I like the odds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Or or let me throw it number three, Cam Newton. Who would you most mm. of the three, who would you like to see MVP just for the content and for the discussions that would be happening? Well, Cam Newton, the content is obvious. That's a content winner right there. <laughs> um, I think Stafford's, ooh, I'm, I'm trying to think who I think is the most realistic of the three. Um, I know I just said I think Rogers is going to have this like spite season, but I just think that offense, I don't see the offense being good enough. Mm-hmm. to vault him there. Whereas I think I can see a world in which the lions offense is pretty explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Stafford's the most likely I'm guessing Rogers has better odds than Stafford right now. Right. Uh, Rogers, according to our friends at the Caesar sports book, Rogers is plus 2,500 Stafford is plus 3,500. It's not a huge difference, but definitely a little better for Rogers. Who's your favorite long shot. We, we were asked the dark horse and everyone immediately took Kyler and I picked, I picked a, um, well, I'll tell you why I pick. I pick Phil Rivers as my dark horse. I if I had to pick a total total long shot, I think I'd go Teddy. Teddy, what? Because every everyone loves Teddy. Everyone loves Teddy. <laughs> He's the MVP. He has a ton of he has a ton of weapons. There are no expectations for that football team. Um, He's good. I've been saying, and I, I when I think. Go, I grabbed them on my team draft with Golik. Like, I actually think that offense could be pretty good. It could. <laughs> Defense is going to be an interesting situation. But um, Joe Brady, Teddy, McCaffrey, Moore, like, you know, Samuel, like, it's, it's a little spicy. Yeah. And if it, gets, if it gets a lot spicy, suddenly, if Teddy Bridgewater wins the division over the Saints and the Bucks somehow with a bad defense? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. What's offense? next? Offensive MVP. Okay, so this is always the weirdest category because it it like has no meaning year to year. Like, you know, I it's like, is it a quarterback? I'll, I'll go non quarterback, right? Um, I think I'm guessing McCaffrey has the best odds of any non quarterback. Um, I I'll throw out a. Uh, just a kind of random one here. I think um, DeAndre Hopkins could win this this year. Really? I, I Who I bet has low odds. He probably has low odds. I, I don't know if there are offensive players. Also, there. Ezekiel Elliott. I'll throw him. I think he's a strong contender. I think Zeke is a better shot. With Hopkins, my concern is just, is he going to get the ball enough to, to justify that sort of lead? That's my only concern with, with DeAndre. He's a great player, but 
Like he might be going on a quarterback downgrade. I think Kyler's good, but I don't think Deshaun Watson's better. Um, but just there's so many guys who are going to get the football there that I don't know if he can get Nathan. the target. Hmm. I mean, like Fitz is going to get touches. Christian Kirk's going to get the ball. Um, uh, they're probably going to be healthy. Than... Yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake's going to get the ball. They were really effective last year. They were at their best when they were running the football a lot. I mean, I know that that's the, the classic trope, but like when they did commit to more 12 personnel um, and more runs and early downs, they were better last year uh, than they were during the first half of the season. So it wouldn't shock me if they ran the ball more than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one, right? Like how much of Cliff's kind of evolution over the course of the season was born out of what he realized he had on his hands, you know what I mean? Versus what, I mean, because they do such a good, they did such a phenomenal job of spreading to run. Um, but I think you might see like another evolution of that offense this year. Oh, you know, another uh, Tyreek Hill, I think is another wide receiver who I could see edging into contention. What about uh, Derrick Henry? Man, he carried the football so much last year. I'm 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 not convinced he's breakable. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. The Very the rare big. running back who gains more power the more you touch him and the longer the season goes along. Uh, uh, but you know about precedent on this. Yes. What about defensive MVP? Okay. So the safe bet is always Aaron Donald. Yes. You didn't I... make the safe bet though. I can tell. What? You didn't make the safe bet. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna... I. I, okay, I, I'm gonna, I, I think we have the same person here. Really? Yes. Jamal Adams. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we do. Because um, I, I have a weird one. I know. I have a weird one too, which is why I feel like we have the same. I one. have Miles Garrett. I also have Miles <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> oh, Bill. This is why we are the crossover episode. Um, See? I knew so it. I'm guessing Nick Bosa has better odds than Garrett. And... Here's a fun fact. Last year, Nick Bosa had nine sacks off of 25 quarterback hits. Miles Garrett, who did not play the final six games, had 10 sacks off of 18 quarterback hits. I know Nick Bosa didn't you know, play the whole season either, but... Or did he? Wait, wait. Nick Bosa, how many games did he play? Uh, I think he played the full season. The full he season was hurt in the... Miss... Gonna... Yeah, okay. Gonna... So anyways. So, again, 10 sacks, 18 hits in 11 games. Miles Garrett was an absolute beast on the field before, you know, he screwed up in a major way. But I mean, Miles Garrett has been that good. He's so good, man. Career. I mean, he was great in 2017, but the team was awful and he had a high ankle sprain, but he was great when he played 2018. He was, you know, phenomenal 13 and a half sacks, 29 hits for 18. That was not, not great, but good. I think he has to have the Browns make the playoffs. I don't think he can do it if they're seven and nine, but if they are a playoff team and he has the season he's been on pace to have the past couple of years, I think he's absolutely one of the favorites. Um, outside of Garrett. So mm, who's, your, who's your yeah long shot here? Long shot, long shot. Um, had, oh, I got a good one. I have a good shot. one. I have a good long shot. Tredavious White. I mean, he's great. He, he, des- he deserves that attention. I was going to say Jalen Smith asked by a long shot. Hmm. That's got to be a real long shot. It's a real long shot, but <laughs> you got to figure good team. The, the story is obviously incredible. Yeah. Um, he played really well last year. He was not a guy who was like, he was okay in his first season back. He was actually really good last year. He really took a step forward. So um, I figure if the Cowboys are great, 
you know, that's not the strangest thing in the world for me to imagine. Tough position, though, to win. True. Or, very true. Yeah. Luke Keekley did it. Um, Tredavious, I mean, obviously, the last year, uh, Tredavious was the sec- second best cornerback in football. Wouldn't shock me if he was the best cornerback. I just think the defense will be really good, too. And so then they'll people zero in on him. All right. Keep going. Offensive rookie of the year. Mm, okay. I like Edward Tolaire over Burrow here. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, your enthusiasm. Like, but like, you know, like, I don't like, like, I know. it's, it, I know. it's, it's, it's one of those things that seems controversial, but it's not actually controversial. Like, I, I also am not looking forward to like the, oh, well, now running backs are good because I know the second so like, Williams opted out, though, you knew. Oh, Clyde, he's going to kill it. He's going to be <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, people are going to just pay so much money for him in every fantasy league. Lewis um, Riddick, Lewis Riddick said he should be the first overall pick in fantasy drafts this year. Uh, and I, I don't disagree, man. I don't disagree. Um, so I, Burrow is sort of the quarterback there. Um, and I'm just anyone that anyone outside of those two. Who, who um, you think has a shot? Yeah, I, I think I CD is going to be great, but I just think, uh, Oh God, did you see? Um, I think Michael Irvin said CD lamb joining the Cowboys was like Kevin Durant joining the Warriors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, just great. Um, I'll throw, let's do long shots. I'll go Brandon. Ayuk. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I was thinking in the same vein. I was thinking um, Jalen Rieger. Uh, yeah, guys uh, who are, you know, it's not crowded groups, good offenses. Yep. Especially Brandon like, Ayuk, man. He's like the yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, just somebody <laughs> has to hurt. catch the ball. Yeah, someone's going to yeah, have to I mean, catch the ball. He hurt. Dante Pettis is like, is under a rock somewhere and Kyle oh, Shanahan oh. refuses to talk to him. Uh, um, and we know Kyle Shanahan's going to manufacture open yes. space for Ayuk, so... Yeah. yeah. So I think I think those guys like those like guys in good situations would be the long shot picks for me. Um defensive rookie of the year. So this is Chase Young with a bullet to me. But outside of him, I prefer Jeffrey Okuda to the rest of the field. If the Lions are good, wouldn't be shocking if that made sense. I kind of like Patrick Queen with mm-hmm. the Ravens, where I figure good team. Yeah. He's gonna like he's gonna have a lot of talent around him. He's gonna make Go a lot of him. Yeah. Him. Um one of those guys where I think he could be a difference maker from day one, maybe Kenneth Murray in the same vein where great talent around him. Good defense. Um, Javon Kinlaw, yeah. you could make the same argument for mm-hmm. yeah, think, Buckner gone. Yeah, I think all those guys who are gonna be in good spots, who are gonna be on TV a bunch, I, I think that makes sense for those guys. But I think Chase Young is just it's his to lose. Mm-hmm. He's so good. What about <laughs> coach of the year? Okay, so this award, I feel like we have to talk about what who gets it. It's like a, it's the most improved team award, basically, often, right? Um, it's not usually given to general excellence, although adversity, like you could look at like a Belichick type, and you know, and if that team's really good, he might, even though he should probably win it like every year, he might win it. Um, I'm going to choose a team that I think is going to be good. And I think a coach that people really like, and I'm going to go Sean McDermott here, mm. which I know they're not the most improved team. I just think they're starting to get like that national hype and buzz. Um, and then my second choice would be Frank Reich. Okay. This is where we disagree. We have different mm. picks here. I, again, like are the bills going to be that much better than they were this year? No, but I think people are just going to, 
Like, dude, the, have you looked at the Bills' early schedule? It is so easy. I think they're mm-hmm. going to come out on fire. Right, but if you come out on fire and then you slow down as the season goes on, I think you're less likely to win the award. Now, mm, granted, the season the season might shut down after week six. That's not out of the question either. So, you know, uh, five and wait, who, who, who do you have? I have a person who I do not necessarily think is all that great of a coach. Uh, I have Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys mm. because I'm backing up my research. I'm saying the Cowboys are going to improve. They're going to be, I think one of the top two seats in the NFC. They're 11 and five or 12 and four. I think Mike McCarthy wins this award. I, I picked the car, uh, the Cowboys fifth in the team draft, which shocked people, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be really good. Um, I also, you brought it up. I think, if the Patriots do win the division, I think Bill Belichick has a really good shot. Yeah, I do. I, I think so. I could see. Uh, mm, I was thinking like Tomlin, who really should have won it last year. Yes, for what he went through. But I feel like, like what, with Belichick, like everyone knows he should have won like seven or eight of these. And so the fact yeah. that now they don't have Brady, if they're still productive, like this is their excuse to be like, okay, this is your makeup award now. Here's one I like. What about if the Browns are a wild card? Stefanski. Yeah. I mean, I, I could buy it. Like, they've had no success, so why not? I also think if the Cardinals, I don't think they're a wild card team, but if they do, I think Kingsbury will get some looks as well. Just picturing Cliff adding that trophy to his uh, incredibly expensive living room. <laughs> He's got a lot of room. Um, and then, like, randomly putting it in the middle of the floor or something. Um, what was I going to say? There was another one more. Oh, um, I feel like even if the Bucks are really good, people are going to say, eh, it's Tom Brady and not want a reward. Bruce Arians. Arians already has a couple, but yeah. to get to your point, what about executive? Oh boy. That's where I've got Jason Lick, baby. That's what I thought. That's where I thought you would go. And I agree. <laughs> I also have Steve Kime. Now, um, we should note here that executive of the year usually means you were not a good executive based on historical precedent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I got licked here because Bruce Arians, I don't think we'll get credit for Signing Brady or you know, coaching Brady and Gronk and such and you know all that, but I think Jason Lick will get credit for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would go light there. I would go. Hmm, anybody else? Liked, liked. Who might liked. come to mind? I have Steve Kime. Is it licked? I thought it was liked. I don't know. It's probably liked. I don't know. Um. Well, when he wins Executive of the Year, we'll learn how to pronounce it. Mm, a liked will go off. I, I'm not confident in my my pronunciation either. Um, um, fans, if you're listening, you can feel free to correct me on Twitter. Yeah. I know you want to right now. Yes. Um, finishing up. This is, I think, the toughest award to pick because there's so many possible candidates depending on the year it goes. What about comeback player of the year? This is where I think Stafford's got to take it, right? I would think Stafford's He's got competition, man. He's got a lot of... Co- I, was, I was trying He's to think got- of all the names... So you've mm-hmm. got Roethlisberger, right? Yeah. Um, Gronk. Gronk is super high on the list. Super high. The aforementioned Derwin James. Derwin James should for be sure. in the mix. Um, JJ Watt always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, always coming back. And I, Cam I'm, Newton. Cam's on there. Yeah. Um, I would say if the Browns are good, you have Baker and Odell as two possible candidates. Um, Marcus Green. Mariota, AJ Green. I mean, there's. A, like this is a loaded, yeah. loaded class of Trent Williams. Players. We're not, not even we're not even including any of the players who might come back from the past because we don't have enough players to play a full season. So mm. like 
Eli Manning could be comeback player of the year. Yo, if Peyton Alex Manning Smith plays player. a down of football, he just wins. Yes. Like, it's just that's that's also over. True. He wins. Yes. So, I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities for comeback player of the year. I think it's the, the hottest contested award of the entire bunch. I'll go Stafford. I will also go Stafford in the long run, to be clear. But a lot of other options out there. Uh, anyone, any other awards we need to... No, those are the big ones. Um, and you know, it's is there. Can we nominate uh, a team that you are going to uh, disproportionately root for during the season uh, because you like them during the first month of the year? Ooh, non Seahawks division. Um, non Seahawks division. I'm rooting um, for the Browns to come back, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I want that for that fan base. I think it's an interesting team, you know. Um, I've also been probably higher on the Colts in the consensus, so I'm just rooting to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I can't remember what show I was on, but they were like, okay, after the Ravens and the Chiefs, who do you like in the AFC? And this was before the Newton sign, you know, and, all that. and, um, and the opt-outs and all that stuff. And, um, and I kind of panic-picked the Colts, but then I was like, you know what? I feel good about that. So I'm riding with the Colts. I don't think people realize how often that happens where you're forced to make a <laughs> prediction or idea on the spot. And then afterwards you talk yourself into it. Like, yeah, that's not as bad as I think it was. I mean, you like the Colts, right? They're good. Yeah. I mean, I think the Texans take a step backwards. I think the Colts are in the running there. I think that's a division that's you know also wide open. Wouldn't shock me if any of those top three teams won the division. So the Jag- uh, yeah, that's not You know, I, I'm a Jaguars hater. I'm a Seahawks hater and I'm a Jaguars hater. Those are the two teams I hate. You know that. I thought you hated every team, Bill. There was one year I did a list. I should I, I should do it again this year. I feel like you will have the opportunity to be hated by every fan base this upcoming season because of what you're doing, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, several days from now. Yeah, so um, guys, if you uh, are interested, that will be our new NFL Live uh, lineup. We will be debuting on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I'll tweet about it and such. Um, and I will be on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays every week starting from then. And you also do other stuff besides NFL Live, if I'm not mistaken. You are around a- the horn, highly questionable. A lot of Bill Barnwell show. Bill Barnwell show. <laughs> yeah, the Bill Barnwell show. Uh, once every off season. I mean, it kind of have you done on. ESPN Daily without me yet? I have not done ESPN Daily without you yet. Uh, I guess football hasn't really come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will see. We will see. But ESPN Daily, of course, hosted by our friend Pablo Torre, is doing excellent stuff there. Just check that out. Anything else we need to plug? No, man. Uh, it was good catching up. It's good uh, convincing you that the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl. Well, fortunately, you'll have the opportunity to make fun of me with the entirety of Seahawks Twitter if that happens. But when they lose in the... <laughs> Divisional round of the playoffs. Feels right. No one's going right. a wild card game. Feels right. Feels yeah. Right. We both don't agree. down at half. Uh, furious comeback that falls short in the fourth quarter. Uh, that feels right. Russell's going to throw it like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, football. We'll, we'll get to that after the offseason. But uh, until then, thanks so much for listening, guys.